Welcome back to When in Kanto, an all things Pokemon podcast coming at you from the Tribe Station, conveniently located at XP Collect in Manville, New Jersey. I'm Elite Box John, your host, and I'm joined by my regular partner in crime. Yeah, I choose Jason here. <laughs> there he is. And today we have an epic podcast talking about the technology in the hobby and the services in the hobby. But we're not going to be talking about it alone. We're going to be talking about it with you, of course, if you want to call in. It is the call-in app. And our guest speaker, the man, the myth, the legend, Shivam. Shivam, let us know a little bit about you. Say hello. Oh. Hey, 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 guys. Uh, I'm not Shivam. Um, I am a Pokemon content creator. Got my start in 2019 um, with literally like a Pokemon VHS and uh, bought lots of cards early, early on and, you know, traded my way up to like a Beckett 9 first edition Shadowless Charizard card. Got into Pokemon TikTok, saw that um, very, very early on back in 2019 before lots of people were on that platform. Um and just blew up on there and uh, did some uh, SEO, brought a lot of people from that platform over to my Instagram and, you know, kind of created a name for myself uh, just through that. And uh, with my wacky way of collecting, I would say, I, I, I guess you could call it like a hipster way of collecting. I collect um, vintage Pokemon food, high-end vintage uh, Pokemon toys and cards and stuff like that. Um and yeah, I started a Pokemon podcast as well. So it's really cool being part of a podcast that's not my own podcast. So I get to learn from you guys. <laughs> that's awesome. And and uh, let me tell you, I've seen some of Shivam's uh, toy collection. It's pretty awesome. He has a ton of some of the wackiest Pokemon collectibles that's not even TCG related. From a 1999 Pokemon tent to a sealed pokemon comforter uh from 1999 yeah so, i even i even <clears> have the, the solid pokemon snap machine sitting in my studio so that's one thing i'm proud of too oh yeah you got the snap machine that's true that's true i forgot about that that's a really good that, that's like a toy grail right there yeah no yeah that's a that's a grail grail yeah for sure but no still print yeah yeah it's yeah. still prints um i um i don't know if you guys know ninja ninja's wife actually offered me twenty thousand dollars to buy it from me but i I turned it down. Even Ninja can't get the Shivam snap. <laughs> <laughs> nice. <laughs> but no, man, I really appreciate you coming on. Uh, tonight's, oh, thank you, guys. tonight's topics are going to be uh, really, really fun. Uh, it's going to be all about the tech and the services in the hobby because, as you know, so much of the hobby continues to change. It changed in 2008 and 9. It changed in 2015 and 16. It changed again in 2020. Um, and when everything changes, we tend to get a whole new um, methodology in the collecting world and around the collectibles. And this time around, what we've seen, and it, what's, it's a first of, of its kind, is a lot of new tech and a lot of new services in the hobby that some are good, some are indifferent, and some are bad, or you know, in my opinion, pretty bad. Um, and the first question I have for the group, um, if, for Shiv and Jay, and um, if you do want to jump into the call-in queue, make sure to do that. Listeners, tribe, listen, uh, jump in there. Is what do you? How do you feel about the growth in this last two years when it comes to the hobby, the growth, the movement in prices, and you know, modern versus vintage? 
What what, how, what, what are your thoughts around that in general, just to set the tone? Um, for me personally, uh, obviously, obviously in 2020 we saw this you know historic levels of uh, a rise in values across the board with interest and and, and uh, prices for you know sealed and um, non sealed cards, graded cards, just everything across the board. Like even toys, even food. Um, rose to astronomical levels uh in in this space and um after 2020 we saw it you know we saw this rubber band motion where things drastically corrected and i think um i think in this current current moment i think the hobby's kind of in a healthy place um we're, we're kind of seeing cards uh, uh grow and move at a very very normal rate but i will say that some of these past few sales as far as cards go have definitely, uh, uh, you know, it's definitely piqued my interest in the, in the way where, you know, you have, you know, first edition Shadow of Charizard cards selling for $366,000 just a few weeks ago, and then now selling for 25% above market at, you know, 420000 And then we see, you know, um, you know, the Pikachu Illustrator card selling for 900000 but we get news that it actually sold for 720000 So it's, it's, it's definitely interesting, um, but I think with current prices, I think things are relatively uh, solid. I think we're okay. I think uh, overall interest, I kind of think that, you know, the core amount of people are still here in the space, and whoever got introduced back into the hobby are still here, which is a good thing. I mean, we I think a lot of the scalpers and a lot of the uh, people who are just here for, you know, just for a hot minute are kind of gone, like the people that just weren't really interested in it to begin with. I think they're kind of gone, but... I think we're in a good spot. I'm, a, I'm kind of an optimist, though, so I just think that's kind of where we're at. Yeah, uh, I agree. Um, and Jason, before you go, um, I, I, I agree. I mean, it's pretty crazy, some of the movement. One thing I think about a lot, and I don't hear almost anyone talking about it, is market, right? When people say market. Um, when a first edition Shadowless Charizard sells for 368 then 420 right? Is that enough? Is that enough of a movement? Is that enough of a of a volume for it to be considered even a market play? Because so little of that is occurring, or is that almost manipulation potentially? Right. The, the yeah. thing that keeps stock market safe is that it's too big for any one individual to manipulate it to too much. But when there's only forty nine PSA ten first edition channels of Charizards, there's a lot of people who have. $20 million that could buy up a majority of it mm -hmm. and then manipulate it to their liking, especially Correct. if others are holding it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, we see, we see a lot of auction houses where uh, we see, we see sales, right. But we never see um, whether or not it's paid for. And I think that's one thing that I believe that auction houses and um, sites like eBay should be doing where, where they basically let us know whether or not something's been paid for. Um, they don't have to tell us who paid for it, but I, I genuinely would like to know whether or not something's been paid for. Cause often at times we think we see things being shilled. And I think um, just because uh, 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 something doesn't necessarily uh, some, something quote unquote sells for record price doesn't mean it, it, it went through. Right. Um, often at times people do shill things and just don't pay for it. And it just shows up on record that, hey, this is what it's sold for. And, you know, it kind of makes people think that, oh, hey, you know, uh, it, it gives it gives like 
the average hobbyist a false sense of security. Um, so like, I think that could be an issue, but um, I think I think what you said is correct. Um, yeah, I think what you said is correct. Jason, a thought? Jason's only thought. I would like the Shadowless PSA 10 Charizard, please. <laughs> yeah, like, uh, you, I think you made a comment. Like, you know, there's a lot of people with $20 million out there. I was like, can I be that person? No, um, <laughs> <clears throat> no for sure. To your point there is like, uh, you know, those things. To, uh, to me, when you say that about the marketplace and uh, there's only so many of those cards out there and, you know, someone might introduce more into the market as packs get ripped into and things get graded. Uh, but I don't know. I like seeing uh, smaller stories personally, but uh, like when people are picking up uh, some other packs and I think that's what sparks those spikes uh, in that market, that up and down uh, wave where all of a sudden an article happens about gold stars and then all of a sudden like all the gold star cards are, you know, your new chase. Uh, so, mm-hmm. I mean, the gold stars are pretty though. They're not... <laughs> yeah. I just Very. Know, like, uh, I, I, uh, to your, to your point, sure. You mentioned like, you know, back 2019 or like, I remember when no one wanted to even look at trainer cards. Most people are trainer <laughs> yeah. cards. Now then, I buy like, all the waifu. <laughs> or yeah, even yeah. even not the waifu but uh i mean that yeah obviously that's what uh drove it but uh it was like some random day i feel it's like the day that it happened in june <laughs> of like 2020 and it's like you want that trainer card for a dollar now I don't think so. so yeah i mean pepper's farm remembers let's remember that um yeah pretty much <laughs> yeah no the uh the dollar the dollar jesse and james cards that all of a sudden became twenty dollars overnight uh per that's insane like, yeah though that was i mean that was insane we had so many of those cards were like oh these are worthless and that's like oh wait nope nope this pays the this pays the taxes this year for uh for for the shop um <laughs> So, uh, yeah, I mean, the, the, the conversation around the vintage and the auctions and all this new money, big money, it feels like coming into the hobby that I didn't see when you went, when you go back three years ago, Mm -hmm. really a lot of people with a lot of money came in, which thus creates a little bit more of a, of a tumultuous situation when it comes to buying high end vintage, right? Because you never know if you're buying when something's as rare as, you know, and that's a grail card of, you know, Illustrator Pikachu, you know, any of those trophy Pikas, all that stuff. Like those are all so few and far in between that, you know, and you, and there's, there's collectors like Gary V and, and people like that, that just, they have hundreds of millions of dollars, um, mm-hmm. even smaller collectors, like, you know, and this is not, I'm not, I'm not saying anything wrong about anybody and using any of these examples, just preface for anyone listening in the future. Um, but if you, if Leonhardt or Rev wanted to sell off some of their sealed collection, they could probably fetch relatively easily a few million dollars, relatively yeah. easily. And then they could just take those few million dollars, win the next 10 Shadowless Charizards for the next 16 to 18 months, and then they can kind of dictate the price because those are the only ones going to be in circulation because everybody else who has one is going to hold it. Absolutely. Yeah. You know? So, um, but that I, does beg the question about, you know, so... In modern, I would also put one that? one last little uh, pin into that too. Is also just like uh, you were saying, like people uh, who have a lot of funds. Let's say uh, there's a lot of folks who have you know like newfound funds, 
and then they can enter the market as they choose and maybe they're not completely like inundated in that market so like mm. there's folks who you know got pretty you know crazy rich pretty fast uh in uh a GameStop hold a GameStop hold or a uh <laughs> Or uh, like a bit, or or Bitcoin purchases, or an NFT drops and things, and then they might just jump into the space. And to them, they were like, "This, you know, two hundred thousand dollar car, that's cute." But you know, my nostalgia, I actually want one now. And I'll just pick it up, scoop it up. So, yeah, a hundred percent. Were you gonna say something, Shiv? Oh no! I mean, I uh, I think you were segueing over to the the modern portion of um, what you're about to talk about. Yeah, yeah. So um, the the modern portion is you know it, it's not only in the vintage collection that you know some of this manipulation can happen. I think it's a little bit easier because uh, money can kind of solve for uh, the uh, complexity. But in modern, we see weird moves all the time. Like uh, yeah. Look at Evolving Skies booster boxes right now. You know, TCG Player 155, 154, eBay 155, 154. Um, and, you know, it's kind of crazy to watch a, a set just take off um, from being $100, $110, at the low uh, not more than a month ago. Um, you know, what do you think about modern in terms of the f- um, kind of – the volatility in the pricing for modern. I think, I think, you know, modern for me seems to follow this same sort of trend every single time. And that's where, uh, before release you have the product or the card itself, uh, where, where the prices are astronomically high, where it makes no sense. And then upon release that price kind of tanks and then it levels out. And then, uh, as time goes on, it kind of goes back up. Um, I think, I think currently speaking, we're in a we're we're definitely experiencing um, something that's not uh, that that's completely unprecedented, and that's the fact that we had so many people so many people join the hobby and they got into modern very heavy, and they sent in a lot of modern cards. But not only that, they sent in a lot of you know uh, closet based collections, stuff that they had from their childhood. So I think that. Um, you know, a lot of the stuff that is, you know, at these grading facilities that are, you know, still there or has come back, um, I think we're going to probably see this long-term effect where, um, I don't want to say junk wax, because junk wax uh, is such like a bad, bad statement or bad take to say or bad comparison Mm -hmm. to say, but I think we're like very, very similar to that. I think we see so many modern cards and modern products that are in this space that it becomes very, very difficult to kind of sell. And, and, and I guess like my, my, my experience with that is um, me traveling to all these different shows, to these different cons, um, to these different conventions. I, I see, and, you know, I deal with a lot of people who uh, buy wholesale when it comes to buying out collections. And, you know, whenever you talk to these guys that, you know, who sell, um, you know, 24 seven on whatnot or other platforms, um, you know, like they'll take like 25, like they'll offer 25 to 30% market value on modern product and then resell it. Um, and just, just be able to make their profit on it. Cause at the end of the day, at the end of the day, they're a business. And so it's very, very tough to, to, um, 
stonk on on modern product as well as modern cards. Now there is exceptions, you know. Obviously, there's a lot of uh, there, there's a lot of like modern Japanese cards that that um, are only exclusive to Japan, and I think those will relatively hold value. They'll they'll hold value value relatively well. But um, when it comes to the you know past recent sets that have come out here in the United States, it's very very tough to to say um, anything positive in my honest opinion. But I could very much be wrong. That's just my my take on it. Yeah, no, I, I see where you're, I see where you're coming from when it comes to looking at the volume, right? Sheer volume. Mm. What does the volume do? I think that's what you're saying. That the volume yeah. kind of de- removes some of the scarcity, and thus, you know, is the price inflated because it's not as scarce as some would believe it to be, right? And right. How many people are holding certain things? Correct. Um, and Correct. I and I agree when it comes to you know people who collect to sell. Um, and collect to appreciate in value. But the one thing I, I think a lot of people miss, and, and this is something that in the tribe and, and for the, you know, the Lee Pokebox crew, um, you know, a lot of those who we deal with on a daily basis, they collect to appreciate, but just the card. Um, mm-hmm. And their future value of the card almost has, is not a, is not a, a point of, uh, is not a point of value to them. Um, right. A lot of people like will collect Bidoof, Snorlaxes, Magikarp. 100%. It doesn't have to be rare ones, right? And and at the end of the day, one thing I, I think a lot of people miss, uh, and, and it, no one ever talks about it, is with more than like 16 million active collectors in the U.S. and in the, well in, in in North America, right? That's one of, one of the statistics averaged is 16 million collectors and that's kids adults teens you know throughout the throughout all the age groups right but we're all just collectors together right even if there's a ridiculous amount of population it's 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 almost that no matter how much of it they print it's very hard for it to ever saturate right look at a charizard hollow psa graded charizard right a base set Mm -hmm. Not first edition, not shadowless, just the basic. Just unlimited, yeah. Just unlimited. There's, if I if if I recall correctly, I think there's like twenty seven thousand of them. I haven't looked at the number in a while, but there's already yeah, it's a lot. Seven thousand of them. Yeah, there's yeah. a ton well, of them. Watson Unlimited is truly unlimited. It's unlimited. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and and but it never steals away from you know having that card. And I think some modern cards are going to have that same effect. 5, 10, 15 years from now. Like, yeah, um, I think it's... I, I personally think it's going to be worse. And, and and the reason why I say that is because, um, you know, you're going to have people who... Like, for example, if you if you take account of the rate of inflation while also holding on to these product, you're actually losing value um, across the board when you're holding on to modern product. Uh, that That's just... that That's my overall, like, macro perspective on, 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 on a lot of these uh, sets. Like, is you had to factor in the rate of inflation with whatever modern product that you're kind of collecting. And that's if you're purely collecting out of it for appreciation uh, 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 of the value of it. But if you're just like this purest, purest collector that you're like, hey, I, I like collecting Neuverns because like, I have a friend of mine that only loves Neuverns. They don't really care. Uh, they just like collecting Neuverns. Like they want to have like the best Neuvern collection in the world. And that's perfectly fine. Um, or it's like it's like Nate, right? Like real breaking Nate is the type of collector. He's a purist, you know, like he's not really interested in the value of things. He's like, 
only interested in, in just the sheer rarity of something and just collecting it as is, which is also mm-hmm. very cool. Um, you know, it, it's really interesting to, to really talk to people about how they collect and, you know, um, you could be a bit of both. You can be a purist collector while also like looking at it from an investment standpoint as well. It's, it's really interesting. Yeah, no, I mean it's it's the beauty of collecting, right? And collectors, mm-hmm. they, they it's like uh, it's like fingerprints. No, no two are usually the same, and there's always differences uh, between them. Right. But that does bring a good segue into uh, a new kind of collector, uh, a collector that is embracing change, embracing uh, new methods of collecting, and that's. NFTs. Mm-hmm. Right now, there are right now there's platforms out and growing that have connected NFTs to collectibles, and there's probably a thousand more that are in the works with people figuring out new and interesting ways of trying to connect an NFT and a physical collectible. Um, and one of those companies that we're, we're 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 looking to talk about today is a company called Courtyard NFT. And what they're doing over there, and we don't—we're not—we're not affiliated with Courtyard. Uh, we're not sponsoring Courtyard. The, the, no, none of this is at all any type of you know go look at their product at all. But it is an interesting conversation to have around you know when it comes to Pokemon and connecting them to NFTs and trying to digitize a physical asset. You know, is that something that the Pokemon community even wants? Uh, is it even something that they're going to find valuable or is it just a stretch to try to do something that's not going to happen? What do you, what do you think? Shiv? Um, I, I mean, I think, well, like you said before, there's, there, there's no two similar collectors out there, right? Um, some there, there's going to be collectors out there that do embrace this. They see this as a sign. There's going to be people that are in this space that see actual issues within this space and they can see NFTs being that, um, answer to those issues, whether it's shipping, whether it's it's uh, uh, authentication, whether it's uh, uh, there's so many different issues within this hobby that um, a lot of people feel like NFTs could be um, the answer to. And I, I definitely am keeping an open mind. I myself, I'm not invested in any NFTs. Um, I'm not part. I, I'm not even invested in Courtyard. Um, you know, I've been seeing it, it a little bit more on TikTok as well as uh, Instagram with 137 p.m. with Gary V and stuff like that. So, um, you know, I'm definitely keeping an open mind. Personally speaking, um, I like being able to see my collectibles. I like being able to come into my studio every single day after work and, you know, see my Funkos or see, see my vintage toys, um, see the cards that I currently have, because I, I keep a very, very small card collection. Um and just being able to appreciate it for what it is and just looking at it, you know, um, you know, I don't feel like I, I, I would appreciate it if it was all digital. Like if I had a digital vintage Pokemon tent, you know, would I appreciate the same way as like what I have in my studio? I don't know. But granted, I'm also that same type of person that hops on Fortnite and buys skins for some dumb reason. And, uh, <laughs> you know, like that's 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 part of it. You know, like I'll I'll hop on Fortnite and I'll play with Don Diego trading or or some of my other content creator friends and just play Fortnite and out and we'll we'll buy the skins um or the emotes or whatever and so like you know I'm not ruling it out um 
but I, I'm definitely curious to see the execution of it, right? Like, I think there's a lot of great ideas, but oftentimes the execution is a very miss. Like, nothing, nothing's being hit. It's just a complete miss. So I, I, I think we said this before the podcast actually started. Well, I said it. I think, I think in the future, um, and I think this is where the hobby is headed, I think that in the future, <clears throat> people are going to you know keep their cards in their collections. They're going to have that physical aspect of it. But I do think that just like how people are able to day trade cryptocurrencies and stocks, I think eventually we're going to see a point um, in our lifetimes where we're going to see people um, be able to trade alternative assets within a moment's notice. Like if, if I have a vintage Charizard and it's, you know, it's, it's going up in value and I want to cash out, I can, or I can trade that for something that's very, very underappreciated, like a LeBron card or something that's relatively in equal value. And, you know, maybe, maybe, you know, one of these NFT companies or whatever companies that are out there um, will be able to do that in, in real time. Like, I think that's something that sports, I, I think will happen with sports 100%. And the reason why I say that is because, like, often at times you'll have uh, a player who has a terrible game and people are going to want to get rid of those cards almost immediately or they, they want to trade for it or something. Like, like a lot of things move um, at the snap of, their, snap of the fingers. And so um, I, I think that's the type of future we're headed towards. Um, I think it's important to keep an open mind. I know a lot of people don't like NFTs. I mean, I, I kind of don't like it either, uh, but... You know, again, I'm keeping an open mind. You know, it's it's important to keep an open mind. I don't want to be, I don't want to have that boomer kind of mentality where it's like, oh, this is terrible. You know, um, just I'm seeing, I'm seeing the, the the potentials of it and and what it could what it could do. So that's just my my thought. Jason, do you have a do you have anything you want to <clears throat> add to that? No, yeah, I mean, uh, exactly. What we were saying like there's there's going to be that solution. I mean, uh, like the CEO of target literally made this statement where he was like the way things are going, folks won't even, it'll be more cost effective for a person to not drive to the store and have the truck that's already out there going to other people's like to your next door neighbor's house, just bring it to you as well. So to your point on this, like uh, some solution to the, you mentioned shipping in there. Uh, there's something that will probably happen in there, and then it'll have all those extra benefits of like instant trading. And it just comes down to, you know, who's gonna do it for the right reason, and that right reason is mm. gonna like solve it all, right? Because to your point, you were just saying like, I want to come home and I want to see all my items, and like that that brings me joy, right? You know, like this is my stuff here. And the sell that a lot of NFT things are being happening, the hype that's being put behind it, like you don't want to miss out on it. It's like, well, what happens if you put on your 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 uh, metaverse goggle and uh, there's nothing there and your room's empty now? It's like you missed out, right? So like, kind of like <clears throat> using that's how I, all my news articles are kind of coming in at. They're all like kind of like fear mongering into like you gotta get into the metaverse or else you're not gonna have anything. Um, so to me, that's uh, I agree with you on. Uh, I think the idea of just trading and like the bartering system of back in the day will find some, you know, 21st century solution where NFT might be in between. They're like, I'll, I don't need to hold on to this card, but it's an asset of mine mm -hmm. and I want to be able to like trade it quickly with someone 
and they might literally i i'll never forget this one where i saw someone like i got this like don julio 1942 by giving up like this pikachu v max or something yeah i, and I think i like, saw that yeah i think i saw that yeah yeah like and i was like you know like that's what i see like and uh um for if it was some limited edition whiskey and someone was like you know i don't want to have it in my house in case something goes wrong i would rather pay to off to put it in a vault uh you know safety deposit box and it's like i can tell you what's in my safety deposit box and the bank will hand it to you the next time you go in right so there's something there bubbling potentially yeah. um i mean and uh so no, yeah, I mean, like, I think, I think for me, it's like, um, back, back in 2020, when the market was popping off, like, right, like, right at the peak, um, and things were starting to come down. I remember, um, like, all, all the values of my cards went, you know, five, six, seven, eight, ten x at that time, and um, I was like, this, this is the time for me to be able to make a play, and that play was to trade 11, you know, very high-end, you know, modern cards, I mean, vintage cards at the time, a couple of modern cards, um, and I traded up to a PSA first edition Shadowless Charizard card. And, um, you know, at that time, the value was worth, you know, $35,000, and one of those cards was a PSA 9 Unlimited Charizard, which was worth, uh, uh, at that time, $4,500, which was crazy. I remember peak was like 7600 And so I had, I literally, you know, you know, finalized the deal, flew to Dallas at that moment and did that deal. And when I see stuff like projects and stuff like this, where, you know, people can literally trade assets almost immediately, I think that's kind of cool, right? Like I don't have to fly out to Dallas, right? Like I don't have to like have someone with me as like quote unquote security slash a bodyguard with me. Like there's a, there's an aspect of security there um, that I do like. Um, so, so I, I, I do agree. I think like, it's cool, um, that, that this sort of barter bartering experience could potentially happen in the future. Um, but yeah. The one thing I, I continue to go to and, 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 and Jason and I, and, and, you know, in our, in our travels, you know, I already not, know not as far and wide, <laughs> but I don't see why the NFT component, <laughs> that's what kills me, uh, with, with some of these projects is I, I love NFTs for their purpose of creating uh, unique contracts mm-hmm. and creating an ability to give exclusivity if you hold the token because your wallet connects to Web3, etc. And And it's all cool. But if it's just going to go to a centralized location or if it's just going to be – because it's a barter that quickly, it has to be in a centralized location. Correct. It defeats the purpose of decentralization. And if you can trust someone enough to give them your $35,000 card, your $50,000 booster box, etc., etc., right? It's like do you really even need the NFT or is a database record connected to you just as good because it's just as right. not centralized and centralized as – Yeah, I, I think – I think that de- like that that part's correct. Like the the the, the centralization of of um, all these alternative assets going to a vault, that's kind of worrisome. Um, like who keeps track of what, all that jazz. Um, but I think the decentralization aspect is also a cool thing. Like if something gets sent in, I think everyone would have an idea of what gets sent in. Obviously, we won't know who the owners are, but like if if something pops up into like whatever whatever uh, uh, market there is, all of us will get notifications, kind of like eBay, right? Like all of us have like 
uh, uh, save tabs on everything that we possibly want in our collection on eBay, and it gives us a notification the moment it pops up onto eBay's platform. I think that's really cool. Um, so like, get, uh, like that kind of information and letting us know that this is, you know, 100% authentic, you know, this is, uh, uh, this is the certain number behind it, this and that, like, I think that part is cool. Um, so even though the product might be centralized, I think the information that's decentralized, that's available for everyone. I think that's mm-hmm. like the coolest thing. Yeah. And I, this is such a good topic. We should make a, a podcast just for this and we bring you yeah, back. I was going to say, you, you, cause your, your next thing your next thing that you're going to talk about, John, is you're going to say, like, I get all that. And your issue deep down is you're like, yeah, that's the market. But no, it's like an eBay that like <laughs> 10 people know how to use or something. It's, yeah. yeah, it's one. It has a massive hurdle to enter. But then and, and, and we don't have to we don't have to. This is like uh, we don't have to go too much deeper because it is a great topic for another for another podcast. We should totally 100%. do it. But the uh, the other thing is um, when the physical asset has to go to a centralized person for recording recording to put in the records um it doesn't it means that they have sole ownership of the writing ability to the blockchain thus manipulation is available so that's what i mean by like a decentralization means that there's no centralized party that controls the read and write but Mm -hmm. if you're going to a central location they control the read and write so in essence it's a open blockchain quote unquote but they can game the system anyway because they're the only ones who can read and write to it because in in normal blockchains and nfts and crypto exchanges no middleman gets the dollars right it goes to the blockchain the blockchain contracts right and the blocks are created um and and they're recorded and permanent and an interesting transition uh, transmission Mm -hmm. of those funds with a physical asset it has to be sent to someone someone has to authenticate it because you can make a fake PSA 10 Charizard slab easily, right? Yeah, and, and who exist. authenticates it? Because so many people these days, they, they'll quote-unquote authenticate something and they're wrong too. Exactly. So it's cool. I like it. I like so the What idea. if that sealed booster case ended up <laughs> in the blockchain? Yeah, exactly. It's an authenticated sealed booster case. And what happened? Holy crap. Nope, not, not as authenticated as you thought. And that's exactly it. Centralization doesn't go away just because you put the word nft in it um it's decentralization is a way of product is a way of it's kind of like a way of life but if you just throw words on top of on top of what just looks like traditional database management there's not nft anymore but right. yeah so that was uh that's my soapbox on the uh, on the courtyard and you guys all have really really good points and um you know for markets to exist i think plenty of markets exist today uh, look, you know, if you, if you do a quick Google search, you've got yourself your trolling toes, your TCG players, your Ebays, your stock X's, mm-hmm. etc. Um, and these are in, in the world of collecting today, they're almost staples. Like what would be like for a quick thought experiment, what, what would the Pokemon or any card collectible game or any collectible thing that lives on these platforms, what would it look like without them? How would you value things? I think I think the values would be if you go back to it would be like I don't want to use the word localized but uh like like he said uh, he got on a plane and went somewhere and then like you'll you'd see like a, a different world I feel like, would the T in TCG become more prevalent right possibly trade you know 
I mean, uh, like go... I, I look at I look at cards that that like I, I've dealt with cards that you know have no sales history or not enough sales history. Like a lot of the niche collectibles that I do have, it's like, oh, how do you value that? And I think it just comes down to like we're all Pokemon collectors, and I think there's a, a sentimentality attached to to us whenever we're making our purchases in some way, shape, or form, or to some to to a certain degree. And I think. Um, like whenever I go out to these shows and it's like I show something to like let's say a vendor, it's like what do you value this at? And I say like oh I value at this. Well then it's like okay what's the population on that? And I think at that point people kind of uh, throw their own you know uh, uh, you know dollar uh, um, like they, they throw in their own offers and it comes back to you and there's sort of this you know back and forth that kind of happens between you and the person. And I think at that point that's where, you know, uh, a sales history is established because, um, you know, a lot of times when we're, whenever I'm at these shows or, or you know, if you go to a sports card show, you know, a lot of these cards, they might not sell for what's actually selling on eBay. You know, they might sell for 50% of what's what's selling on eBay or 25% of what's selling on eBay, or they might sell for well over. Like a good example is um, back in June of last year, I had a, I, I have two eights, uh, uh, one's Beckett and one's a PSA eight first appearance Lugia. And there were no, uh, sales history uh, of the eight Lugia at that time when it was increasing in price. And they, I ended up trading it for a record price at $12,000. Um, and I had bought it for like $2,000 the year before. And so, um, it's like, how do I come up with that value? Um, and so like, it just comes down to like you and the person and, you know, it might be through trading, right? Like, it's like, okay, I value it at this number. It's like, okay, maybe I'll be able to make more money if I, like, trade it at this price. It just comes down to, like, the person, I guess. I'm just thinking about the Pawn Stars meme right now. Like, every time, like, you were talking about it. Like, <laughs> yeah, it's I like mean, it's I like know that. you want 12000 but, like, $5 is the best I can do. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's yeah. how it is, man. Yeah, no, yeah. for sure. So, to your point, like, uh, the concept of uh the grading system i think is in of itself john to your question there like it's it's what is someone willing to pay right so for example like i've got a non-sealed pokemon comforter from 1999 yeah while shivam's got a beautifully sealed never touched by a child or any hands type thing and like you're going to be like, I know that these are like technically the same thing, but this one's quality is pristine. Um, and I think that's where like that conversation just Dude, the, the, happen. The, the Pokemon non TCG market is ruthless. I, I'll tell you that for sure. Like these, like the people that I, I like I see that are in this space, they are, they are hounds. Um, <laughs> they're willing to like the, I don't want to say they're true fans because, like, that that would mean, like, Pokemon card collectors aren't true fans. So, like, uh, I'm not trying to disrespect anyone. But, like, these guys are, like, hardcore, hardcore fans. Like, if they see something, they want it, they will drop the money for it. Like, I, I remember buying um, a two factory-sealed uh, shiny Blastoise combat figures, one at $90 and the other at $100. I sold one last year for $800. Um and so, like, there, there's people out there that are will, and I'm one of those people that are willing to drop stupid amounts of money on, on those types of collectibles because it's like there's a there's a rarity level in, involved, there's a sentimentality level involved. Like, I was just on eBay, and, and I just confirmed it today. I just spent three hundred fifty dollars on expired vintage Pokemon candy. 
Why? <laughs> I don't know. I thought it was cool. You know, like that's that, that's the premise for like Pokemon collectors. Like for purists, like we 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 see it. And it's like, huh? Can I justify this purchase here? It's dumb, but hey, screw it. Let's do it. You know. Um, that's but yeah, that's 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 just like the mindset of like the consumer in this space. A hundred percent. I I mean I agree with you a hundred percent because um, the reason we collect is is varied from person to person and mm-hmm. it changes so much um, depending on the scenario and 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 so like for example like I I have I have you know we have plenty of Pokemon we have a warehouse fill of Pokemon uh, filled to the top. Literally, almost too too high for the fire marshal to like it. And that's a good uh, problem to have. <laughs> and let me tell you, I went to Target with my son. He's he's four, and he wanted to open Pokemon because he loves Pokemon as well already. And and I was like, I'll buy a Checkling blister of of uh, Brilliant Stars. I only have like you know a ton of it, but I'll, I'll buy it from Target. I have no problem. I like buying cards from Target and opening it with my son because it's a different kind of experience. And let me tell you, he he pulled the alt art Charizard versus Venusaur card. That's sick. Out of one checkling blister, he pulled it, and I'll never forget that card and that moment. Mm-hmm. And and it's worth so much more than the card. Hey man, um, la, la, I've only opened cards with your son one other time, and it was a Champions Path ETB, and he pulled a Charizard VMAX. He's yeah, he the, has the hot so time. so I think he's got hot some hands. hot hands. That kid. Listen, he's got sorry, hot sorry, hands. Sorry. <laughs> but yeah must, it goes... must, must be genetic must be genetic yeah, yeah it's genetic uh you gotta stop by our, our youtube streams uh shiv when we do the member appreciation packs we pull heat heat um <laughs> the uh but yeah like th- that card will have a, a ton of meaning to me forever and i know so many people in the tribe and i see them in the listener queue right now you know i see uh channy ian richard ryan clinton uh, it's so many of these uh, collectors that we're familiar with because they come to our lives, they come to the, here, and they're part of the the family um, uh, of the tribe here. And each of them has their own story. And I'm 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 pretty familiar with a lot of people because I spend so much time in the hobby and so much time with our with our members. And they all have memories, uh, and they all have they're all creating these irreplaceable moments that are going to be contemplated into the trade value. That's going to be contemplated into a sale value when they if they ever do go to sell, right? Like when my son it turns seventeen and he wants a a really expensive car, like, hey, dude, I'm only paying half. And he's like, well, remember that Charizard I pulled, Dad? And I'm like, you really want to sell that right now? <laughs> um, and it's like th- those are the that's what makes Pokemon special. Um, and mm-hmm. and and it kind of goes back to the, the these different platforms that while we we need them and they dictate the market um, that. It's not really them who dictates the market. It's us, the collectors. Yeah. But the, uh, the, that's a good segue into collectors uh, with um, talking a little bit about our, our, our new uh, – one of our new favorite apps in the tribe, uh, Collector, which is actually in the, uh, in the listener queue. Um, but we, we've been using collector a ton. We've been actively using it. Uh, it's really, really awesome. And we love the team over there and we love what they're doing and all mm-hmm. the constant updates. Um, and you know, in, in terms of platforms, when you're comparing, you know, TCG player, eBay and all those other ones, um, you know, apps like collector and there's a bunch of them on the app store and that are made for and made by, 
uh, people in the community, people who want to bring value to the community and and uh, want to see uh, yeah, all collectors, any all shapes, sizes, ages, ethnicities across the, the gamut, uh, make the most of their collecting habits. Um, and when it comes to valuing your collection, you know, I know you've been actively using Collector. What do you think about that type of service in the community? Uh, services who don't charge anything, aren't in the game of, sh- you know, uh, selling and shipping and dictating markets, but more so educating collectors to make better decisions. See, I think, I mean, I'm, I'm going to be biased because, again, my experience so far has been very good. Um, you know, I think one thing is cool, right? When when I was just in Orlando for Collecticon, um, lots of people use TCG Player or eBay um, sold listings to figure out their comps. Um, when it comes to negotiations, when it comes to buying out certain collections and stuff like that. And, you know, I, I had my co-host, Yizzy, literally go through, uh, uh, you know, other people's booths when it came to buying out inventory using Collector. Why? Because it aggregated that data where it's it's right there it's it's you don't you don't have to do any guesswork um you can just go and collect or look at it that's the market value and the coolest thing is that it actually shows you trends um it can show you whether or not the card is going up whether or not the card is going down if it's you know holding or maintaining its current value and i think that was the coolest thing and when we were out there um you know we we made it a mission um to give out free packs to people who downloaded the app and showed us them using the app and um, we had a lot of families come up because um, I said that, hey, this is a great way for, for you and your kids to, you know, uh, uh, you know, understand and uh, understand the value of certain things. So that way you're, you can teach your kids a little bit more about responsibility behind, you know, the things that they have. And, um, you know, one of the cool things was that, um, you know, a kid pulled a Gengar VMAX and that's like a $20 card right now. And uh, he was like, oh, this is this card is worth this much. And like, that's one thing that, you know, as a child growing up, I didn't really understand the value behind the things that I currently had. But if I did, then I feel like, uh, uh, you know, things would be a little bit more different today. Um, you know, I'd still have, you know, my Pokemon collection from when I was a kid. But, um, you know, like you can make those you can see those trends and you can make um, better decisions when it comes to buying certain cards. Like if, if I see a card that is currently valued at $80, but the trend it, it's trending downwards, then I'm going to go to um, whoever, whether it's Instagram or I can see another collector and offer them, you know, slightly less because it's trending downwards. Or if it's going up, then I can offer slightly up because, you know, I'm well within my means at that point to buy above market price. And I think that's like the cool thing about this app. And there, there's just a lot of cool things that are come from it. I like the functionality where like I can show my collection to people uh, through social media. I like the fact that on the content creators corner, um, like once that part, like once the platform is big enough, you know, users will be able to follow, you know, their favorite content creator, whether it's like Leonhardt or, or Lootbox or whoever joins that app. Um, and they'll see what they're collecting. And in a way that's like, Oh, like this is what my favorite content creator is collecting. Let me get that too. Um, there's just, there's a, you know, after, after talking to the collector team, there's just an endless amounts of possibilities and, um, you know, one thing that I thoroughly enjoy is the fact that um, it's an app made by collectors. And, um, you know, when when they're out there on social media asking for, um, you know, criticisms or what, what do they need to have on the application, 
Um, they actually listen to the community. It's not like it falls on deaf ears, right? Like they, they prioritize what's being said and then that's what they do. And, um, you know, I, I, I like that. Like one of the biggest things for me as a content creator is being able to produce or create value for my audience, whether it's by making them laugh or by informing them or just showing them something really cool. And I think this app does all that. I think it, it definitely informs and educates people and, um, the, like, what more could you really ask for, you know? Yeah. And and a lot of times, TCG Player, eBay, StockX, and the, you know, Card Maven, etc., they're, they're daunting, especially for new collectors, especially mm-hmm. for uh, parents who are helping new, younger collectors enter into this world of collecting. It can be daunting, and, and it's, it's good to have a platform that's, that specifically focuses on being made for all collectors and that allows um, anyone to come in and search simply and, and educate quickly. Mm-hmm. Um, so, and it's, you know, and, and collectors, one of them, and, and there's a lot of people doing a lot of stuff. There's um, one of my favorite and very, I don't know how a lot of people who know about the site, but limitless TCG. I don't know if you're familiar with them at all. Um, limitless TCG is an amazing place for collectors who uh, play the game, who actually use the card game and, and, and play competitively and want to learn about the competitive component and what metas are working, what cards are playing in the meta, what's a fair value to go and get the staple cards so they're not overpaying in those other platforms, etc. And um, it's not as well known because the, you know, the play side of the hobby is so much smaller than the collecting side of the hobby. But there's a lot of, and it's created by players of the TCG, four players of the TCG. So it's just another one of those applications that focuses on the community and the, the actual true community, the people who uh, who make it up. And there's a lot to be commended for uh, those who are building uh, services like that. Mm-hmm. Jay, you got anything? Uh, yeah, I mean, uh, I was just thinking about uh, those values we were talking about like for modern sets, like when a new modern set like drops, the values are up and then like you'll probably see something like that in collector uh so the 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 one thought i was having honestly the other day was uh you know some people feel like that's a crazy move some people think it's fine like you know you collect how you want to collect you pay what you want to pay uh and honestly what went through my head was just uh just like the tcg is just another form of media uh consumption i feel like to some folks nowadays in our like type stuff so like can I get the late like Elden Ring 60, 70 bucks right now? Can I wait nine months and get Elden Ring for like twenty bucks off? Sure, but what do you want uh, to? like? <laughs> but do I want to? Right? Like I want, I want, I want to feel that completionist part of me now, and that was also going to be that other part is just uh, for modern set collection. What's considered modern today will be. It, it just takes that one set to bring in a new collector, right? So, like, Hidden mm-hmm. Fates was that set back in the day, and then... XY uh, was a set before that. Uh, XY was before that, and then, like, then it's, like, cool. Like, what were all the sets I missed? And then all it takes is finding, like, that one card, that one red Gyarados, and, like, a breakpoint or a breakthrough? Breakpoint? Mm-hmm. One of those. No. Yeah, uh, <laughs> I was expecting. I was expecting you to know. I'm thinking of a very specific card you want. 
Um, and then you, you pick that up. Oh, you're, you're talking which, about the Gyarados alt from uh, Break Breakpoint, <laughs> the gold, yeah. the golden. Gyarados. Uh, right. So like you, you just start looking at what cards came out over there, and then you're just like, okay, Why well now, now you get now <laughs> I need all the alternate arts from this set, and then uh, I think that's really, you know, what you'll think of today as like ah, uh, eh, uh, is is really what becomes that you know tomorrow the our uh, modern the today is our modern today yeah. is tomorrow's vintage. So, you know, the four-year-old who then is now 12 and on whatever gen. And then he's like, you know what? I want every red Gyarados. <laughs> got to go hunting. Mm-hmm. So. <laughs> but absolutely. So we got uh, – so we, uh, we're, we're getting close to the top of the hour. Top of the hour. Um, and we're going to start bringing in some callers, see who wants to say hi. We have a lot of the familiar faces in the call queue. We have Richard Saylor in the call queue. And we like to usually bring in callers here at the end of the podcast – and uh, and uh, get to say hi, um, Richard. You are in. Can you hear me? Yeah, I can hear you. you guys can hear me pretty good. Yep, you're coming in yep. loud and clear. Thanks for joining us, uh, Shiv. Thanks. Awesome, awesome. I'll have to check you out. Um, where where can I find you? Oh, uh, I'm on YouTube uh, as. Not, not through my current handle, through the Pokey Tea Time podcast. We have um, lots of relatively big guests. Uh, I know we have Island Grown tomorrow and Pokey Rev next week, which would be really cool. Um, and then on Instagram, I go by Not Shivam. And on TikTok, I also go by Not Shivam. Excellent. Excellent. Okay, so I want to talk, uh, touch on a couple of the uh, topics. For, uh, first and foremost, Collector App. That Collector App is awesome. Uh, it, it it's uh, such a great way to catalog what you have. Uh, I can see it as being potentially a good way for uh, networking, uh, where trading uh, uh, does happen. I don't know if I necessarily believe that digital trading is ever going to really grab a hold of this hobby. I don't think that uh, NFTs are necessarily the answer. I do know that uh, I've going to be interested to see where they go however i i do believe that apps like collector and um you know uh toad troll and stuff they have their place uh, and that kind of technology can be instantly accessible to one another and we and with options to share each other's collections with each other and be able to find completions and be able to obtain cards that you uh, have a difficult time finding elsewhere prom- uh, promotes a different type of network uh, instead of just going over to eBay and purchasing cards. Yeah, 100%. And because it's connected to people and it's whole collections, it'll work quickly and easily. Well, and like I said, I, the, the way that they inventory your what you have is just it's a really incredible little app a great concept and uh, i am encouraged to see where it goes i i i i like i said when it comes to the nfts and and that kind of stuff i've always been a believer in the physical asset uh as a business owner i believe in physical assets i don't find the digital assets have done me any favors <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I still early. 
I look at it from a uh, I, when I look at it, I, I, I try to look at it from a business perspective, but I also try to look at it from a collector's perspective because the reason I'm into Pokemon in the first place is I'm, I'm in it with my kids, right? So when I look at uh, when I look at the concepts behind uh, digital, it takes away the hands-on. The music industry is a really good telltale sign for what could happen with the uh, with the um, collectibles industry, where digital media has taken play taken root uh, in the music industry. You you don't get the album covers and the art the album art the way that people used to get. It was a pr- it was a proud to open up your music library and go, oh, well, these are my vinyls or these are my uh, CDs or whatever else, right? You, now everybody every, with digital access to it, it's kind of um, muddied the uh, muddied the market, where basically everything's available to everybody. Yeah, I mean, when you did when you distribute everything digitally, you can lose some of that exclusivity and some of the visceral nature of physical assets. And you know, you, like the 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 vinyl thing, right? My brother yep. is a big vinyl collector, and he has two vinyl players, and he has tons and tons of vinyls. And there's something about grabbing the vinyl, and I did it, and I don't even like vinyls like that. But he was like, "Hey, why don't you put that vinyl on the player?" And I'm like, "Oh, okay." So I grab the vinyl. I lift up the the I don't even know what it's called. The I put needle. the vinyl the needle, yeah. And I put and you you put this starts spinning, you put the needle down and the music starts coming out and there's something visceral about doing that. So, I def- definitely see what you're saying when it comes right. to that physicality and, of it. And I think that that's something that would get lost in the uh world of uh, sp- uh sports and uh uh, TCG collectibles as well. If things move to more of a digital, uh, a digital aspect, like, if you if you talk to the community as a whole, we all play the games, right? But how many of them, and how many of them go and they play the TCG game? Well, I bet, get guarantee a probably eighty percent. That being said, how many people are invested? into playing the TCG game uh, uh, digitally. Well, not as many. Right? Yeah, I know what you mean. The, so like the physical playing of the TCG versus the PTCGO client. That's, that's right. So people mm-hmm. are more, I think when it's tangible and, and it's malleable in your hands, people are more inclined to gravitate towards that. And I think that that's part of what makes Pokemon and uh, other sports collectibles like hockey cards or baseball cards or whatever so intriguing and collectible is that it's there are they're a physical copy, a physical uh, item in in your collection, something you can flip through the book and go back to. Yeah. yeah, and we're definitely going to have to. I mean, uh, it, it, it's it's clearly an awesome topic. It's clearly something um, we're going to have to make. I think we're going to have to make a podcast episode dedicated to this topic because it can go deep into all kinds of theories. But you've made a lot of really good points, Richard. A lot of really good points. 
Well, I'll leave it at that. I mean, I, there's always more I can add. You know me, John. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know but, me too. <laughs> we can go on well, a tangent. but <laughs> well, Absolutely. We could probably talk for hours, pal. But uh, I really appreciated uh, the show tonight, guys. Uh, thank you for taking the time to uh, hear me out. And uh, thank you to our guest speaker. I'm uh, looking forward to checking you out on YouTube. Appreciate it. Thank you so much. Thank you. Poke Tea Time Podcast. It's very entertaining, actually. His other half isn't here, but uh, they're a pretty funny, dynamic duo. But thank you very much, Richard, for coming in uh, into the call queue. Anyone else want to come in, just say hi, ask a question, make a statement. We've got Andrew, uh, the goat of collecting in the, the queue, in the listener queue. I'm surprised he's not chiming in. He's got... He's got. He's usually got lots to say in a in a in a in a, in a collection to back it as is the collector uh, binder show off. What's it called? Oh, yeah. The um, the uh, the collector function that you can show off your collection. I, I, think, it's the, I think it's the showcase. showcase. Yeah. 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 Showcase. I was looking at Andrew's showcase. I was like, okay, that's a that's a nice little uh, little uh, collection he's got there, and he's probably thinking that's not even half of it. Yeah. Um, he, yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> She's like, it's not, it's not, it's like a, it's like a 10th, you know, um, but anybody else want to jump in here at the end of the podcast, say hi, um, make a point, uh, anyone at all, we'll give, we'll open up, we'll leave it open, the queue, we'll leave it open, the queue open for another two or just, three minutes. Just jump in and uh, give us your favorite Pokemon, like what's going on in the chat right now. Yeah, I, the chat is a little quiet, it's a new function, you got to warm up to it. Um, and, uh, one thing I'm noticing is, uh, a lot of the times the tribe is just in listening mode, uh, when it comes to having the guests on, because I think the conversation is just so good that, or they're shy. I don't know, <laughs> but, uh, uh Chani, they, 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 they enjoy interrupting just like you and I, it's easier just jumping mm. in there, but you know, they want to hear what Shivo's got to say. They, the want, to they say. want to hear what the show has to say. When we had AJ on and when we had collector on, it was like, uh, <laughs> the same thing. But uh, yeah, for sure. If anyone wants to jump in, we got Sand in the ch- in the listener queue. Ian, Channy, Clinton, Ryan, anyone at all. We're gonna leave the the, the queue open for another minute or two while we uh, while we finish up here um, in uh, in today's podcast. But Shiv, uh, really, I want to say thank you so much for taking the time out, man, and uh, and coming into the podcast one more time for those listening and for those uh, lo- those listening live. Well, I, those I, got, I got a question for Shiv before we uh, sign off. Okay, yeah, sure, so sure. I'm gonna I'm gonna let I'm gonna let Jason do his uh, his 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 question. Yo, my my question is: Are, are you gonna go with the approach uh, that you know all collect all the jokes are always for collecting of physical like non TCG stuff and TV shows? You know, you always got to get one to open and one to keep. So, are you getting like two sets of those uh, you know rare Pokemon candies, and you're definitely gonna try some or not? <laughs> no, no, no. I'll, I'll just, I'll, I'll just end up, I'll, you know, my my thing is pretty simple. You know, like I keep everything sealed. I, I I'm not really like a, a pack or a, a booster box kind of collector type of guy. I've always been like just a straight up, you know, graded card or a raw card or or sealed video game or sealed, you know, candy type or toy type of guy. I've never I've never been the type of person that you know feels the need to open whatever because. I know that my luck is not the best, and um, you know, whenever I open up something, there's always regret, and uh, I hate that feeling. <laughs> <laughs> right, so he's he's not going to be eating any of this candy, is right? Yeah, I mean, like when yeah. I was in, 
when I was in Orlando uh, during that million dollar box break, um, you know, I'm, I'm not too well in tune with like the valuations of, like Magic the Gathering. But when we were opening up the beta Magic the Gathering packs, uh, my buddy next to me after I got done opening up three packs, like Shiv, do you know how much those packs go for? And I'm like, I have no clue. What did they go for? He said fifteen thousand dollars a pop. And I'm like, you're kidding me. And so, uh, uh, yeah, no, when, when it's someone else's packs, I'm okay. I'm all game for opening up someone else's stuff. I, I, I'm just not game for opening up my stuff. <laughs> yeah, I think, uh, I think um, Jason is more interested in seeing if you get some type of food poisoning from expired Pokemon. Yeah, that's not, yeah. I, I mean, I have, I have, I have um, sealed cereal, and I have people always ask me to eat it, but... Um, I don't want to because no. I know for a fact <laughs> I get a stomach ache like Nate has. Nice. Just just print it. Just print out like a, a shell that looks like it, and then just put some like mm. old school Cheerios in there or something. Just fool fool everybody. Just fool everybody. Do like yeah, uh, do do a know. do a beast uh, a Mr. Beast style video. Be like I eat an entire box of twenty two year old cereal live in front of three thousand people at Collecticon. That would be a very. Real Breaking Nate has done that before, so if you guys haven't seen uh, his video, it's kind of an old video, but um, you can actually see him on YouTube eating a expired twenty year old cereal. I don't. Oh, he do did it. it? Yeah, he did <laughs> it. I, I don't want to do it because I, I I know what what follows suit, but uh, he's on it. <laughs> oh man, I gotta go watch that after. I didn't know he did that. So so well, one day one day we're gonna be uh, eating twenty year old uh, Oreos. Is all I'm here. Yes. i still have four packs waiting in the wind i'm gonna eat it moldy we got saying bush senior in the call queue live you're right saying the the stalling worked (laughs) it always does i was muted hey guys what's going on hey what's going on zach hey so i was thinking when you guys were talking about modern and stuff like that like how much like modern product is out there you know the other part of that is i know there's like a lot of stuff out there but like the thing is like, I think the big chases from all this stuff is going to be, like, obviously, I mean, getting 10s on anything is, like, a chase. But how many of these cards are actually, like, worth grading and great? Like, they're always off-cut, missing ink, like, all this stuff like that. I feel like, like, it's like now you get your big hit and then you look at it and then it's like, oh, it's just off-centered and it looks like garbage sometimes, honestly. Like, I've, I've even opened up some Japanese booster box, got a huge hit, and, like, the edges were, like, it was, like, a 20-year-old card. I've noticed that too, especially with the latest sets. Uh, all the yeah. edges are soft, uh, which yeah. deters from the grade. I, I'm pretty sure companies are, are taking that into consideration, um, uh, for sure. Uh, and some companies like are just you know, PSA PSA was handing out tens like it was their job, and then now they don't. And CGC was never handing out tens, and now they do. And it's it's I mean, I, and this is gonna sound crazy, um, but bgs might be the fairest of all the grading companies really <laughs> i yeah i uh i don't think i've ever said that out loud um but the the like <laughs> i don't like to make a bgs the footage until he ever delete <laughs> by the way this whole part of the call queue that's going to be deleted so i don't i can say whatever i want it's gone after this <laughs> <laughs> um but yeah bgs might be the most uh consistent of the grading companies, in my opinion, um, where um, and and they've stuck to their black label guns for ages. 
there's never been a period in time that I can remember where you could submit to be Jess and, oh man, I got, I got 20% black labels. It has never been. I don't think it ever will be. And yeah. let me tell you, BGS black labels are, and I am a big fan of the BGS slab. Uh, for me, I really like the BGS slabs. They're tanks. Uh, they are hard to crack. They're super secure. Yeah, um, I like them. And they just look legit uh, with the floating Beckett logo. It's just nice. <laughs> but I agree with you, Sam. These modern cars, there might be a lot of them, but let me tell you. And we open a lot. I mean, just yeah. uh, the tribe alone in the last four weeks, we've opened up um, one, two, three, four, five, five or six cases of Brilliant Stars. And the edges are soft. Um, very, very soft. Uh, I don't think one. I don't think I've pulled a. I definitely not pulled a BGS ten black. Uh, I definitely pulled PSA tens just because PSA is a little bit easier. But there's definitely in old CGC life. There's no way I've pulled a perfect ten. Maybe a pristine ten, but definitely not a perfect ten with tens across the board. Yeah, like that's how it's been for me. Literally, I mean, I hit the um, the rainbow zard pretty quickly into brilliant stars. And, like, I'm happy with it. Like, I don't really care too much because it is, like, the chase. But, like, I looked at the back, and I'm like, it's, like, excitement. And they're like, oh, like, why? Like, why is this so bad? You mean you you experienced what I experience every time I tell John, I finally pulled something. And he looks at me, he's like, don't get too excited, man. Like, look at the score. I remember remember getting the the shiny Charizard V from uh, Champions Path. And being like, John, look what I got. And he's like, dude, look at that centering, man. Get that out of my face. And I was like, all right, uh, I'm going to just keep holding on to it. Leave me alone. <laughs> well, yeah. The good thing is about the full arts and stuff like that, sometimes it's hard to see the centering on the front. Like the cent- the front looks okay. But like it's always the back that looks like absolutely atrocious. Like how does this – who's quality control? Like who looked at this and goes – yeah, that looks about right. Like, like I don't understand that at all. <laughs> I think Pokemon printed 3 billion cards in 2021 or 2022. There can't be that much quality control. That's the problem. Like, they, yeah. they control the yeah. controllables, and then the rest goes out the window. What do you think, Shiv, about the uh, about this topic? Um, I don't know. Like, part of me, like, goes back and sees, like, how bad Watsy was back in the day with the print quality of cards, and then... You know, like, then I look at the the whole uh, uh, Sword and Shield release of, what was it, 2021? And, you know, 90% of every, you know, Darkness of Blaze Charizard sent in to PSA landed a PSA 10. Um, but then you have, like, cards from, like, Evolutions and, and um, Burning Shadows where it's super hard to, to land a, a, a 10 in. Like, the, the percentage rate to land a PSA 10 for a holographic Charizard from Evolutions is 3%. Um, oh, my God. <laughs> whereas yeah yeah whereas like the darkness of blaze charizard is not only a very very difficult card to pull i mean not darkness of blaze uh the hyper rare charizard from Bur- burning shadows is not only a very difficult card to pull but it's also like the worst quality controlled set there is and like in my opinion modern history so um i don't know it I, don't, is. I don't know like I, I see a lot of cards that are being printed but i i look at a lot of cards that are like either PSA nines or PSA tens. And it's like, this could be a PSA 10. And I think like, like nowadays, like a lot of PSA nines were literally PSA tens, like, like no more than a year and a half ago. So um, I don't know. It's really, really tough to say Um, me personally. I haven't like, even though I'm a middleman um, also for a lot of grading services um, and I 
you know, I, I look at a lot of cards that I've sent in, um, you know, for, for clients of mine or myself, and it just, um, it's different. It's different across the board. It's, 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 it, the, the whole grading conversation, you could have a whole another podcast on this as well, or as well as like the whole quality control aspect of it. But no, I totally know what you mean. Uh, like, I know what you're talking about. Cause like I go on Facebook on, on like the misprints page and I see like, cards that are put in the packs and it's like literally half the cards. Like, how, <laughs> yeah. did, how did that make it in there? You know? Um, but yeah, I totally get what you're saying. Yeah. But honestly, I, I would, I think those are pretty cool. The ones that are like really, really messed up. I seem like I always get like the, like mine's never not messed it up. Like it's, it would never get like uh, like off centered or error or anything like that. It's always just like in between like being super cool and just being bad. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, this was pulled by an eight year old. <laughs> fresh. No, 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 it was an eight year old, <laughs> but no, I mean, uh, the burning shadows, hyper rare Charizard eludes me to this day. It's my arch nemesis. Um, I've opened so many burning shadows packs. I've one, I've not pulled it. First of all, out of probably 13, 1400 packs at this point. Um, that's what and... you've opened. And then we also sent out a whole bunch and I hope anyone out there got that. We've probably choose to not send it to you. <laughs> yeah. I mean, like, we've oh, sent oh, out oh. thousands and thousands and thousands of burning shadows and I've never gotten a DM or a tag of hyper rare Zard. And then wow. even if you do pull it, it's going to be not good. <laughs> yeah. yeah I've, I've, I've only pulled like one card and that was a hyper Charizard. And it was my first booster box ever coming back into the hobby. Pulled it like second to last, last pack. And ever since then I've had, Horrible luck at opening stuff. Like, I, I never got the, the tag team Hyper Rare Charizard uh, 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 restroom card. You know, like, even even with Champion's Path, um, I didn't even pull it with it, too. You know, with with uh, Hidden Fates, I never pulled it either. Like, it was just bad luck across the board, you know? Dude, I think well, he, he probably he blew, he used blew, it. He blew... He used up all his luck for the next Yeah, I used all kidding. my luck from the jump, you know? And since then, that's, that's why I'm a sealed collector. I mean, like, that's that's typically the case for most sealed collectors. Like, they've had so much trauma with opening up <laughs> product. It's like, hey, no, no, you know, I'm good with my, my sealed stuff, you know? Yeah, yeah go back to that like roulette sent. table and you roll again. <laughs> yeah. No, occasionally I'll get, like, sent, like, uh, uh, you know, loot box. He sent me a Digimon booster box for, uh, like, for Christmas, um, um, for, for a Christmas, like, mystery box or, or care package or whatever. And I opened it because, like, I was like, oh, hey, like, he sent it to me. You know, like, this is really awesome. You know, I just want to experience it for what it is and, you know, just thank the guy later. So I thought that was really awesome. Or, like, if I get, like, modern packs... Um, that you know someone might send me then um, I typically keep it off to the side and I'll take it to these shows or like when I'm when I'm at the airport or something I see a kid you know and I'll just open it with them on the spot and that's like a cool experience to have but no nah, I don't open up anything on holiday yeah Jason's fiending to open up some Digimon he uh <laughs> he uh he's getting into Digimon I, pick, I, I, I picked up a, a, a booster box of double diamonds and I want That's to see a if solid I can get me, set. I want to see if I can get me a, a little alternate R uh, Omnimon. Yeah, that's a that's yeah. a fancy card. That thing looks. I would, I would lose my mind for a solid forty eight hours. <laughs> just just just, would, just would crack it, sleeve it, sit down, 
and just Sleep you know, crack a beer and just just <laughs> just just let forty hours go by and then restart my life. I'd just be happy. <laughs> there we go. Oh, but all right, saying I'm just trying to so will this into existence. Yeah. In case thank you guys you. aren't paying attention. Good talking to you guys. Uh, yeah, sure, thanks, Sam. Enjoy. But. but all right. With that, I think we're going to be concluding here today's winning Conto. Before we do go, I want to give Shiv uh, another uh, the floor once again to let everybody know where they can find him on YouTube, etc. Shiv, tell everybody where they can find you. Oh, uh, you can find me on YouTube at as the Pokey Tea Time Podcast. Uh, my co-host is involved as well. Um, and then with TikTok, I make cringy funny, sometimes inappropriate, sometimes informative content on there. It's just whatever I'm feeling that day um, on TikTok. It's the same handle as here at Not Shivam. And then with Instagram, um, it's it's the same handle. So you can just find me on there as well. Awesome. And uh, I think uh, I speak for the whole tribe when I say it was awesome having you on the podcast. Uh, a, lot, a, a really good time getting to talk to you. Very informative and uh, super entertaining. Really appreciate you coming on. Yeah, appreciate you guys for sure. Absolutely. And uh, Jay, you want any closing remarks? I usually go ramble on for for half a minute now, and uh, you get to only have one word. So I'm going to give you the floor too, Jay. Don't get jealous. Nah, man. Uh, nah, Shiv. If you're uh, ever in New Jersey or New York, uh, you should swing on by to the Tribe Station at our uh, at our car shop. It's our setup. I'll take you guys up and, on uh, that. I'll, I'll be in. Uh, I'll be traveling. Well, I, I'm from Virginia, so um, where the Nationals taking place in Jersey in July, I, I might make a stop. Yeah, it'd be great. Yeah, we'll show you around the shop. We'll show you uh, the recording studio that we have here uh, sure. that we do all the lives from, and we'll do. Uh, maybe we can do. A Polka Tea Time podcast out of the Tribe Station. Oh, that'd be pretty cool. With, with with you and with you and Yizzy, we have uh, we have the four sick. mics. We have the four mics set up and all the cameras and everything. So, yeah, we'll definitely take you guys up on that offer. We can schedule something out because uh, I know yeah. myself and Yizzy. We we uh, we definitely travel out. Um, you know, thankfully we're we're blessed to have um, sponsors um, who kind of take care of our, our expenses and then. Um, you know, we, we try, we, we, we try to make it a point to make as much content as possible. And so, yeah, we like collaborating with people and, um, yeah, we'll, we, we'll definitely do you guys up on that offer. It just kind of works out with our schedule, see what we're doing in July and we'll make our way up there. Awesome. Awesome. But, um, in closing guys, thank you once again to everybody, the guest speaker, Jason and all the tribe for stopping by when in Kanto, the all things Pokemon podcast. We hope that it was informative, entertaining, and that you left today being just a little bit more dangerous in the collecting hobby. If you would like to share the podcast, it's going to be up the recording in about 30-ish minutes after we uh, edit it. And you're going to be able to create highlights. It's a cool feature to share on all your different uh, platforms if you use social media. And as always, if you guys have any feedback ever, the DMs are open on Colin. Until next time, I'm Elite Box John with my partner in crime, I Choose Jason, and not Shivam. Peace.